0: Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity that we have to come and to sing to you. May Jesus be magnified here this morning. God, we know technology is a wonderful thing until it's not. Jeff has told us that phrase before, and right now it's, the lights are being uncooperative. But God, may we be able to look past that. May we be able to focus our minds and our eyes on you. Worshiping you with all that we have because you are King of kings and Lord of lords. May Jesus be magnified here today. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship our Savior this morning. amen
1: let's continue with worthy you are worthy worthy you are worthy king of kings with that.
0: Love singing scripture it comes from Philippians chapter 3. I want you to find somebody that you have not talked to this morning and let them know that your desire is to know the Lord. Well, I hate to interrupt you. You look like you're really enjoying spending time talking with each other. How many of you talk to somebody you have not talked to in at least two months? Yeah, that's great. I like that. I like that, seeking somebody out that you haven't seen and talked to in a while. That's really good, I appreciate it. I want us to take a moment here. We're gonna learn a new song. It's uh, called, My Soul Will Wait, based on Psalm 62. And uh, if you look on the walls up here, we have a couple of verses from that psalm, and I want us to read them together, okay? So Psalm 62, verses 5 and 6. Let's say it together. Rest in God alone, my soul, for my hope comes from Him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my stronghold. I will not be shaken. Those are good words, aren't they? We need to rest in Him. May this song speak to your heart as we sing it and as we learn it together. Feel free to join in as as we sing.
1: mercy unreserved through your sacrifice great. I have peace that's undeserved for the battle has been won and I fear no shame or loss. Now the sting of death is shankled by a hand.
2: not
0: thank you for touching our lives. For touching this world, coming down, taking the form of a human, living a perfect life, dying a sinless death, and being buried and then rose again the third day. Thank you for what you've done for us. May we never, ever, ever cease to worship. In Jesus' name we pray.
3: Good morning, let me draw your attention to a communication card that is there for all of us, church members and guests alike. Uh, It looks like this, you find it right in front of you in the pew. And if you have a prayer request that you would like for us to be aware of that we can be praying with you about, something that you're having to face in your life, just something you want some uh, support with, uh, jot that down and you can drop it in one of the boxes out in the atrium after the service. And if you're a guest, we're delighted that you're here. Thanks for visiting Westgate, I hope it's been a good experience so far. Uh, hopefully that someone has already spoken to you and made you feel welcome. If not, we'll make sure we do that by the end of the service. But if you would like to fill out a card, and just put down your phone number on there along with your name. Uh, anything that we can be praying for you about, any way that we can help you in your spiritual journey. Well, we've had a lot of things been going on in the church uh, recently. Just draw attention to a couple of things. Madison Stewart is here. Madison, would you stand up for a second? We want to recognize you. Congratulations. She is a National Merit Scholar Semifinalist. And um, just... To give you an idea what that means, uh, fewer than 1% of all high school seniors qualify for that. There are only two in the southeast Texas, and so if you have any questions that you need answered, Madison will be able to answer them, uh, and, and I kid you not, we've heard, you know, you know, people talk about going to MIT. That is really her aspiration for MIT, and I'll share with them the prayer request that, that Madison gave me. i never turned this prayer request in any time in my life, but she prayed for she asked me to pray for her that she would get a perfect SAT. Now, that, that would have been an absolute miracle of walking on water if I got something like that. But she actually has a shot at it. And so that's something that you can pray about. She wants to go to MIT, and we're excited about what God is doing in her life. Also, for men's ministry, you have the opportunity to sign up after the service out in the atrium. Uh, we're going to be going through what are my spiritual gifts. This book is a very helpful uh, treatise on what spiritual gifts are. Gives examples of those in scripture that had each one of the gifts. And it's a time for us as men to come together and encourage each other to pray for one another and just help each other on the journey uh, through life. And by the end of it, you'll not only know your spiritual gift, but how you can better serve in the ministry of the church, to the community, and meet the needs of other people. And as uh, we have each month, uh, Vivian has her prison ministry uh, table set up out in the atrium. Hope you'll stop by there some great information about the play the conversion that her son was a part of out at the styles unit and this coming week on uh saturday we'll be going out into the prisons and some of you will be going to the styles unit and uh, brandon has done a wonderful job out there and you can see some of what has taken place with that how many of you are going on the prison ministry by the way just stand up for a second we want to remember to pray for you this week as you go out into the prisons i'll be one of them um I think Barry's going with us, and maybe someone else. Be sure and pray for these guys as they go out. And then we've been talking about trials and tribulations in life, difficulties, adversities that people have faced, and I've been overwhelmed by the number of people that have called me, visited with me, texted me to tell me about issues that are going on in their lives. There is a lot of heaviness in our church family right now and so if you are in the midst of just a heavy load it could be we've talked about trials we've talked about temptations could be that you're facing a lot of oppression of just some kind of temptation that seems to be we've got that 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 powerful word of scripture up on the on the wall today you feel like it's a stronghold in your life and we're promised that god will be our stronghold so uh you don't have to do this but friends i tell you we've heard me say this so many different times the church is not a museum where you have to have everything together and be on display before you become engaged in the church. The church is more like a hospital. We're here to minister to each other and provide for one another. So if you would like, if you just want to stand up and to say, just right now, life's a little bit heavy for me. We want to rally around you. We want to pray for you. I'm going to pray for all of us in a moment. But if life feels pretty tough to you and you want to stand up, just hopefully the people around you would just kind of place a hand on you and pray for you. Feel free to stand up now before I pray. Just let people know around you, would you just put your hand on me just to remind me. Pretty tough life right now. And for those of you that are sitting, would you just please give that expression of support by putting a hand on these that are carrying a tough load. Please do not become passive. Do not think someone else is going to do it. Just be with them and let them know that you stand with them, okay? God, we know that life is filled with a lot of heaviness. Sometimes it's as we read of Paul writing, it was unbearable. Felt like he was going to be overwhelmed by death. Lord, now we see friends in our congregation and so many others that, that could have stood just facing maybe oppression, maybe illness, maybe discouragement, setbacks, grief. God, how I pray that you would overwhelm them with your love to know that you will provide for their every need. God, we read of the scripture that we've talked about this morning, that you will be our stronghold, to to take the stronghold of our life and let it be released and to be replaced by the stronghold of your presence. So, God, would you minister to them, and would you remind us as a church family to reach out and, and minister, just as Warren reminded us earlier. Sometimes it's just a conversation that will unearth a need that needs to be addressed and to pray for people. Help us to be mindful to pray for one another, to lift each other up to bear one another's burdens, to be an encouragement. So God, may each one that has stood during this time know of your favor and your blessing, your provision and strength. In Christ's name we ask, amen. Thank you all for praying for one another like that. As we continue in the book of uh, James, which we have learned is one of the first, if not the first book of the Bible, probably is the very first book of the New Testament that was written And when James is writing, he's not trying to convince people about who Jesus Christ is or that Christ has been risen. Uh, Everybody was so close to that. He's writing this fewer than 20 years after Jesus had died and been resurrected. It'd be like us now. We don't have to convince people that Queen Elizabeth has died and King Charles has come to the throne. It's, It's so fresh. It's new. We 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 don't have to be convinced about that. And so James is writing to people not to convince them about who Christ is. And we'll see that as Paul comes later, as Paul will write his letters after James, that he begins to do a lot of that convincing as time moves on, as do the Gospels. They convince people of who Christ is. But James is writing to convince us that our faith in Christ should make a difference in the way that we live our lives. We've seen as we move through this that, that trials have a purpose They help to refine us and make us more like Christ, that God uses that, and because of that, we can find joy in the midst of our trials. It's like a legal trial, a trial that brings forth the evidence so that we can know what the truth is, and trials come into our lives so that the evidence is manifest to help us understand really where we do stand with God. Maybe we aren't as patient, maybe we aren't as kind, maybe we aren't as gentle, maybe we aren't as self-controlled as we might have thought. What are the Olympic trials? The trials to see, are you qualified? Are you ready to go to the Olympics? That's what the trials do in our lives. And as James said, it requires godly wisdom for us to have that perspective. You don't just pick that up off the street. Oh yeah, here comes a trial, here comes some adversity. I, I see how God's working. It takes wisdom from God to be able to see that. And so he says, ask of God because he will give generously. And then because this was a problem that was taking place and it's a t- problem then and now, People were blaming God for the temptations in their lives, for the adversity in their life. And, and, and James would say, don't blame it on God. It's not God's fault that you're facing temptation. That's the sinful nature within you. Temptation comes from, from evil, not from God, because God is good. That was a very big problem back then. And he used a very significant fishing term that we talked about last week. Some of you are fishermen, that you know that you don't go out. Well, you wouldn't need a tackle box if all fish responded to one lure would you but some guys have tackle boxes that have hundreds of lures in them why that's such a beautiful picture such a perfect picture that James paints for us because it's a fishing term knowing that the lure is cast and there'll be one fish in the pond or the lake or the ocean whatever and sees the, sees the lure and says man that's what I've been looking for and he goes for it and another fish says, man I have no interest whatsoever and that's the way temptation works in our lives for some of us We're tempted to one thing where other people aren't. And the temptation starts in our heart when we look at something and we say, that's appealing to me, and we're lured to it just like the fish, and when we take the bait, it ends to bad results. So James says, don't think God's doing that. That's the evil within you, and that's why you definitely need the wisdom of God in your life. Because all of that, that temptation that leads to sin, That is a counterfeit to what God wants to provide in our lives. And we talked about that last week, that every temptation that comes to our life is a counterfeit. That's what Satan did with Adam and Eve in the garden. He he said, God's provided all of this, but he really hasn't provided this. Let me give you the counterfeit to what God has offered. So the, the antidote to temptation is to trust, to trust in God, to trust that he's good, that all the gifts that he gives us are for our benefit and for goodness so james in many ways has been telling us how to respond to trials and how to respond to temptations and now he's going to talk about how to respond to the truth of god's word james now refers to what's called the owner's manual god's word and he wants us to see are we responding to god's word appropriately are we responding to trials appropriately are we responding to temptations appropriately again writing to christians And he's just throwing out all this information as quickly as he can because he's a pastor that is writing to a church that has been dispersed and he no longer has the opportunity to speak to them face to face. And so he begins a process that will occur throughout the remainder of the New Testament of writing letters. In James chapter 1 verses 19 through 27, if you want to turn there with me, we can read these words, know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. We're going to see that that takes on a whole different meaning today than we have oftentimes been instructed for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls verse 22 but he but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Verse 26, if anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. God, we have read your word openly, and we pray now that you would help us to respond to it. We see this great teaching in your word, so powerful, so practical. Help us to be very attentive. Help us to see anything that needs to be adjusted in our lives so that we can be more obedient and to be doers of your word in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, we come to the very crux of the book of James. Be doers of the word and not merely hearers only how do we respond to God's word well there's three ways that I want us to see this morning that James highlights in here and the first is to respond to God's word openly go back to verses 19 20 and 21 know this my beloved brothers that's a parent an imperative James uses 50 plus imperatives in his book in five chapters and this is one of those imperatives those commands written in the present tense to be continually doing this to say you know this but you're probably maybe forgetting this. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. What James is talking about here is how we will get guidance in our lives. The British have proven to us what most of us have already known. Men don't like to ask for directions. This study revealed, and I had to laugh when I saw it, It revealed that men drive an extra 276 miles per per year as a result of being lost. More than 25% of them will stay lost for 30 minutes before seeking any kind of help. And 12% are so stubborn that they will never ask for help. And then AAA in America did their own study and they found that 41% of men pretend They know where they are when they're absolutely lost. Now, when you think about that, I wonder how many of us as Christians operate the same way. And here is God, through his word, saying, here's the way that you find guidance. Know this, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. This is a relational principle, and most of us have heard sermons about this, about how we manage our anger, and how we should respond to other people. It's a relational principle, but one thing we oftentimes forget. It's a relational principle that applies to our relationship with God, not just to other people. Quick to listen, slow to tweet, if he was writing today. Oftentimes the problem. We tend to believe that anger is curative, that this will solve the problem. So our first response is to become angry and to resist and that will push the others to agree with us. But here's the thing. What James is talking about is that's exactly what we do with God's Word. He is saying be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. To listen to God's Word without defensiveness and anger our kids helped me to see something that I was doing as a parent a number of years ago they said dad you always say yeah but so they're explaining something and I would say yeah but and what I was doing was I wasn't really listening to everything that they were saying I was refining my rebuttal to whatever it was they were bringing and then I was going to move in a different direction I was not being quick to hear and I think sometimes we do that with God God is saying I want you to and we say yeah but as we refine our rebuttal against him and what James is talking about is for us to foster this eagerness within our hearts to hear what God has to say to us that we would be eager to hear and slow to resist And slow to be angry when we see something in God's word that we do not like. And we don't want to implement into our lives. You think about the Bereans in Acts chapter 17 verse 11. It talked about how they would study the word of God on a daily basis with an eagerness to understand what it would have to say. See, Paul is, I mean, James is establishing a pattern here. His being the first book of the New Testament. And Paul would be following within a year or two of writing his first book, the first book of Thessalonians. And then Paul would begin that train of writing all of his books. And what James is saying is I want you to look deeply into the Word of God, which all they had at that point was the Old Testament. Look deeply into the Old Testament to see the depth of your sin, your desperate need for God. Sometimes we don't like to read the Old Testament, and it's just so repetitive about sinfulness, but it's a reminder of the depth of our sinfulness. And sometimes we want to move into scan mode. We're in Jeremiah now. We're jumping all around as we read through there, and it's just sin after sin after sin about the resistance and the stubbornness of God's people. And James is saying, don't just gloss over that. Don't take the Evelyn Woodhead sped redden course and just blow past that. But look deeply into it and see what God has to say to us. Look deeply into the Old Testament to see the arrow that is always pointing to Christ. Don't miss that. When we overlook the Old Testament, sometimes we are bypassing this great privilege that God has given us of helping us to see our need for Christ and the fact that Christ is coming to be our salvation. He's calling for Christians to be national Christians merit scholars of his word look at it the anger of man doesn't produce the righteousness of god therefore put away all filthiness rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word of god which is able to save your souls don't resist god's word but bring it into your life national merit scholar doesn't audit classes what is auditing? I didn't understand that term until I was in college, and I thought, man, that's what I want to do. Because when you audit a class, you don't have to take any of the tests, you don't have to take any of the notes, you don't have to come to the class. You just pay an auditor's fee, and you come to the class, and you get whatever you want out of it. You can listen, you don't have to listen. Sometimes in Christianity, we're, we're auditing our faith. No expectations, no tests, not taking it seriously, just show up whenever we want. And James is saying, don't do that. For that reason, clear out all the stuff that would impede God's word of coming into your life. That that word that he uses there talking about filthiness refers to things that are rotten. Extricate from your life everything that is rotten because rotten things keep us from God. Rottenness is sin. Take it to the curb and leave it there. Remove the sin from your life respond to God's word openly and yes it's a principle for how we respond to one another being quick to hear quick to listen slow to speak slow to get angry yes but don't forget that James is talking about a principle for the way that we receive God's word to be quick to listen quick to hear what God has to say not resistant. Responding to God's Word obediently, look at James chapter 1 verses 22 through 25. It says, but be doers of the Word. That's a central theme of of James' book. He's so intentional and practical. Be be doers of the Word and not hearers only, because you deceive yourself when you do that. If anyone's a hearer of the Word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror, and when when he turns away, he goes and forgets what he looks like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, God's Word, and perseveres with that being not a hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed at what he's doing. He's talking about follow through. When 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 it, when we respond to God's word, when we're open to it, and we and we say, God, I want you to speak into me openly with your word. Are we being obedient to what we hear? Mirrors are tools for improvement. They're not for us to be uh, narcissists where we just look into the mirror and we stare at ourselves with infatuation. Mirrors are tools for improvement you think about it, just where your mirror is located. When you look in your mirror, it's there to show where improvements need to occur, and it shows you when those improvements have been achieved. So you wake up in the morning, and you go, and you look at the mirror. What do you see? A lot of improvement, right? Lots of needed improvement. And then after you have showered, and you've gotten dressed, and you've got yourself fixed up, you look in the mirror, and hopefully it's affirming that improvements have been made, and that's the way God's word acts in our lives. We look at it, and it shows us what needs to be improved, and it can also show us where improvements have occurred. I love the story of the man who became a Christian. He had a foul mouth before he became a believer, and he told someone, he says, I don't cuss as much as I used to. That's good. That's improvement. We say, oh no, he shouldn't cuss at all. I'm just thankful he's not cussing as much as he used to. He's, he's seeing improvement in his life and that's what God's word is for each of us it reveals blind spots you know we look in a mirror at things that we cannot see Uh, I just always laugh at these cheesy movies in which you know the the the, the romantic movies in which there's girl meets guy guy meets girl whatever it is and and you know they're out and they're eating a hot dog and and she gets some mustard on her chin and 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 it's like surgery needs to take place. oh gets a napkin up there. It's just a crisis. You've got, you've got mustard right there on your lip. Get, get it off like that. Well, the blind spots that we have in our life need to be addressed, and that's what it says. Notice those things that are hard to see. Don't just superficially look at those things in your life. Take a longer look. Look deeper into the Word of God. Jeremiah chapter 31 talks about the, the word of God being written on our hearts as the people of God. Be obedient so God's word is written on your heart. And we continue on so we, we see that we are to respond to God's word openly, yes. To be open to what God wants to say. To be obedient. When we, when we hear what he has to say, become a doer of it. And then to respond in obvious ways. James is all about practical holiness. Listen to what he says. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, and he's going to talk more about that because that was obviously a problem then and certainly is today, he deceives his heart. This person's religion is worthless, meaning what you are believing in, your convictions, they serve you no advantage whatsoever. If you see needs and you don't meet them, you really don't have true faith. Religion that is pure, he says, is a contrast Undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. These were the two most desperate categories in culture of that time, widows and orphans. So James was saying, when you go to visit people like this, when you see needs, meet those needs. If we're not careful, and this happens all throughout Western culture, we will reach out to someone to make ourselves feel better. There are mission trips all over the world in which people have gone and they've painted the same house a dozen times. And it makes us feel better. I think about the shoes for orphaned souls. It makes us feel better to bring shoes and throw them in a box. But it is a whole lot more good if we write a check and we send it to Buckner and the money goes into the local economy and the shoes are purchased there that does a whole lot more good but we feel better by doing things sometimes and so what James is saying is this is not for your advantage do this to meet the needs of other people and he goes on to say keep yourself unstained from the world All of us work pretty hard about keeping stains off of our clothes. When you eat something that's kind of sloppy, you kind of pay attention to that. Very few of us just grab a hot dog with mustard and spray it all over our shirt. And James is saying, you know how to do that with your clothes. Do that with your soul. Be guarded. Keep those stains away from your soul. Proverbs 4, 23, guard your heart because it controls everything that you do. And so as we come to this, we, we, we've seen quickly that, that James is talking about looking into a mirror to see our true self and that mirror being God's word. It's not a matter of us going home and looking at the mirror and trying to figure out how we can be better about it. It's looking into the mirror of God's word that reflects what needed improvements we, we need to make in our lives through God's help and when improvements are being made. So as we look at that mirror, do we see the resemblance of Christ in our lives? When we look in the mirror to see us through the lens of God's word, do, do we resemble Christ? And that's is the whole purpose of writing this. It's the whole purpose of this series. So let me ask the question. Do you see the family resemblance when you look in the mirror? And if you're not yet a believer, friends, I got great news for you. God loves you, and he's created you to have a relationship with him so that you can have a relationship with God and have his family resemblance in your actions, your attitudes, and your behaviors. See, sin separates us from God. But Christ came to make us right with God, and all we have to do is humbly repent. That's a fancy word for meaning to turn away, to desire God more than we desire our sin and ask Jesus Christ to be our Lord and Savior. If you've never received Christ, would you join me in this prayer? The prayer that begins a relationship with Christ. For those of you that are already Christians, as we move through this time of sharing this prayer, this this understanding of beginning a relationship with Christ, ask ourselves as believers, when's the last time I shared something like this with someone that's not a believer? When's the last time I so resembled Christ I couldn't help myself but sharing with someone else that was far from God. So let's pray together, look in the mirror, and see if we're where God wants us to be. Lord, we thank you for the truth of your word, the fact that it is indeed a mirror that reminds us of things that need to be changed and gives us opportunity to celebrate changes that you are bringing. God, thank you for the truth that we have seen today. I pray that you would help us to be open to all of your word, not just the ones that feel good or we can seem to do pretty well with help us to be open to the balance of all of your word lord we know that some listening online and maybe in this room today have never received christ as lord and savior it's my prayer before we say anything else that they would recognize that's the greatest need of their life nothing matters in their entire existence more than being properly related to you So if anyone is not yet a believer in Christ, I pray that they would voice a prayer similar to this, inviting you to be the Lord and Savior of their life. Lord Jesus, I recognize that I am a sinner in desperate need of your forgiveness. Please forgive me of all my sins and become the Lord and Savior of my life. I surrender to you all that I am and all that I have, and I will follow hard after you the remaining days of my one and only life. Lord, that phrase reminds us that that's the calling of every believer. It's not a one-and-done prayer, but it's a prayer of acknowledgement that this is what I want to do with the balance of my life, to follow hard after you. And you have given us your word to guide us, to give us directions, the owner's manual of our life. Help us to follow it openly, obediently, and obviously, so that anyone in near perimeter of our life will look at the way that we live our lives and it is obvious that we are seeking to follow hard after you may it be in christ's name we pray amen love y'all thanks for listening you may have made a decision during that time of prayer if you've received christ next step is to make it public baptism is next on the list to say i'm not ashamed of god i'm not ashamed of christ my savior i will publicly proclaim my profession of faith in him Some of you, maybe you're looking for a a church home. We would invite you to become a part of this this church family. Maybe you need prayer. Whatever it might be, after we experience the Lord's Supper together, you'll have an opportunity uh, to respond publicly. But right now, as Christians, we're going to come together for the Lord's Supper as a reminder of what God has done for us. And so I'm going to ask our deacons to go ahead and make their way to the front, start preparing the elements. And as they come forward, let me just say a couple things real quickly, very clearly. The Lord's Supper is for those who have already received Christ as Lord and Savior and been baptized as a demonstration of their faith in Him. You don't have to be a member of Westgate to participate, but you do need to be a Christian who has been baptized, and all of us need to be those who are living a repentant life, meaning that we are not embracing some sin in our lives knowing that we're being disobedient to God but refusing to let go of it. This is not the time to observe the Lord's Supper if we're refusing to be obedient to God. But it's also an opportunity for all of us as Christians to celebrate what Christ has done for us, delivered us from the power of darkness. We've been reading in the book of Colossians this last week, we were hopeless and helpless without Christ. But with him, we've been made right with him forever. And you guys can go ahead and distribute the elements. And so all of us just begin to pray. Help one another to receive the elements out of the trays. And we do this together collectively to be reminded of what God has done for us. Let's pray that our hearts will be where they need to be, even now. Would you lead us in a word of prayer, please?
4: Please join me in prayer. Dear Jesus, Father God, Holy Spirit, it's a wonderful experience today to be able to pray to you aloud. All of our congregation now is praying to you silently. You're the great God, and you can handle it all, and you want to hear from each of us. Thank you for this Lord's Supper, this communion, this Passover meal. Thank you, Jesus, for instituting it. We know that the apostles in those days didn't understand it as well as we do because, as someone has said, we are this side of the cross. We, we have the, that great privilege. I want to thank you, Lord, for uh, some secular wisdom that uh, I had a friend at go see him, he'd say, don't get comfortable. Hmm. Jesus, you gave us a couple of commandments there, to love the Lord our God with all our mind, all our heart, all our soul, our neighbor as ourselves. I think you could have also said, don't get comfortable. Had another friend who often said, what part of no don't you understand? And Jesus, I think you could have said, what part of go don't you understand. I thank you for a a pastor who does not let us get comfortable. I thank you for the uh, men who are going to the prisons this weekend. Let us all pray for them now and uh, on Saturday and Sunday especially. Those are men just like us and they, many of them, need to know you and even those that know you need to know you better we thank you for this precious opportunity to uh, have the communion we thank you for the fellowship of the saints we pray for each and every one of our brothers and sisters in Christ and the children also you're truly wonderful to us we're told to not take our, take the Lord's Supper unworthily. We endeavor to do that. Hard to imagine we are worthy, but we certainly don't want to be unworthy. And remind us, Lord, that what we need to do each and every day is to look to you for guidance. Don't worry about Amen. others' opinions, but just your opinion. And may we always seek to honor you and to pray without ceasing as Paul said it may not be possible but we can, all can do better think again Jesus in your name I pray to you Father God and the Holy Spirit amen amen
3: it's often been said that the Lord's Supper is a sober celebration it means that we were so desperate so far from God in our sins that it wouldn't have happened if it weren't for what Christ did on the cross That's the somber part, but the celebration is it did happen, and he redeemed us from our sins, and friends, every sin that you have and will commit has been covered by the blood of Christ if you've invited him to be Lord and Savior, and that's worth celebrating. That's why Jesus would say, this is my body which is given for you and you and you, all of us. Do this in remembrance of me. And this cup, the new covenant, made through the shedding of my blood, not an animal, but the very blood of God Almighty. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. let's stand together for a moment of worship as we conclude our service and the deacon triads of the month of september will be back at the end of each one of these aisles and guys if you're a september deacon you and your wife will just stand at the back of the aisle so people can go to you and pray with you i'll be standing at the cross as we worship let's respond to god and don't forget after the service everything you need you can find out there at the connection center man be sure to sign up for ministry like for every man in our church to be a part of this ministry, they'll start this coming Wednesday. Let's worship God Almighty.
1: No, I'm not there, but I'm striving each day because you made a way. I'll forget what's